the island is the third main character in the story because obviously i mean all the fortifications the beaches the caves the tunnels all the different places you can hide a body the extraordinary landscape welcome to the bailiwick express podcast my name is matthew leach I'll be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on some of the most important issues we in the bailiwick face. There has never been a murder on Alderney. It's a tiny island just three miles long and a mile and a half wide. The perfect location for a brand new literary festival. And so begins acclaimed author Anthony Horowitz's latest book based in the island of Alderney. A Line to Kill is now available from all good bookstores and the author of several James Bond novels in the Alex Ryder series spoke to us about why he chose to set it in Alderney and what we can expect from his latest murder mystery. I've got to ask first off then, um, why Alderney? What, what, what drew you to, uh, to write about the island? I was invited to a literary festival in Alderney about three or four years ago. And two schoolboys wrote to me. I still remember their names, Ethan and Tobin. And, um, and they wrote me a charming letter about Alderney, about how much I'd like it. I seem to remember they were talking about roaming, Romans roaming about and blue telephone boxes. <laughs> and sometimes young people write me letters that I just find irresistible. And so I decided I would go. And I took my wife and we went out there for a long weekend, about well, four or five days it was. And this was about three years ago, I think. And I loved it. I loved the island and immediately saw it would make a wonderful setting for a story. And so then, um, so how long ago was that, sorry, did you say? I think about four years ago. Four years ago. And so... Um... And of course, one of my, I should say straight away that one of my biggest problems about writing the book was that I wasn't able to go back. Normally, I would have gone back to Albany. I'd have rented a house for a month and I'd have written as much of the book in situ as I could so as to get the real flavour of the island and to look at all the different places and the locations, which I'd selected anyway. I mean, you know, while I was in Albany the first time, I kept thinking, wow, this is exactly where I would hide a body. This is where I would put a murder. <laughs> this is where I'd have, the, you know, all the different things. But because of COVID, the island was shut down throughout the entire time of writing and I couldn't go back. And so, um, well, that's happened for a lot of people. We've been talking to lots of people who are, are basing projects in the island, and of course you can't come over, but you, you did anyway. And, um, and so how did the island colour what happens within the story? How did the, how did the, the, the uh, identity of the island fall into the story? Well, I mean, the, uh, it's very much at the heart of the story. I mean, the island is, I mean, I, I would have said along with Hawthorne and myself, the island is the third main character in the story. Because obviously, I mean, all the fortifications, the beaches, the caves, the tunnels, all the different places you can hide a body, the extraordinary landscape. I still remember the, the very strange etiolated grass that sort of blows in the wind behind the beaches and that sort of thing. The blue telephone boxes, the beaches themselves. Um, you know, this extraordinary, there is so much compressed in so little space. It's three miles long, for heaven's sake, but it's, it's just that everywhere you look, there is something wonderful to catch the eye. I remember flying in, I just that uh, the, the the view from the aircraft. Yeah. I remember it so vividly. That wonderful lighthouse on the edge of the water with the sort of waves crashing around it, which I then, of course, later visited it and uh, visited. And again, all the different buildings everywhere. The, these, the, the fact that although it is a small island, there's quite a lot of empty space on it. You know, you must have to to, to build the the story as it was. 
Did you have lots of discussions with people in Alderney when you were there? No, not really. I mean, obviously, I, I did meet people and we talked about Alderney, not specifically about the book. But, you know, I was very interested in the concentration camps in Alderney. I visited the site of Lager Silt um, and, and saw the sort of the remaining gateposts of that concentration camp, which is about all that's left. Um, and I was very much aware of the power line conversation. Which, of course, on, plays a big... But I forget the actual name of the real one, but it becomes NAB in my book. It's, um, it's a fab here. I did... I did. Fab, yeah, fab becomes NAB. I don't know if it's been buried or not. I mean, that is the idea of it happening. Yeah. I, but I knew that there was controversy about it. And again, you know, when you're in my business and you're thinking about murder mystery stories, that sort of thing is, just, is you know, it's, it's perfect. It's goose for the gander because it is... Um, <laughs> It is, um, uh, it is, it is just so perfect as sort of a possible motive. And the very title, "A Line to Kill," is referring to the power line, of course, as well as to sort of lines of literature. Uh, people will find it fascinating, you know, to pick up on that particular part of uh, what's happening in Alderney with, with the power lines and, and and the Fab Link, obviously, change for the book. Um, I mean, now, what do you what do you hope for the response to be in Alderney itself? More meaning, um, how do you hope the uh, people of Alderney will, will uh, respond to the book? Oh, to the book? Well, I, I hope that they'll, I mean, I hope they'll enjoy it, first of all. I hope that they'll see that I absolutely loved Alderney and don't, you know, have bad things to say about it, even though it is a murder story and many of the people in the story are murder suspects. <laughs> um, but, but that said, I think the island is a, is a hero of the story and, um, and, and I hope that my love of the sort of the beauty of the place, the topography, the beaches, the sea, the, the lifestyle comes through. And you, t you um, made the decision to, to place yourself within the story. Um, how did that decision come about? Why did you decide to do that? Well, that's, that's because the, it's the third in a series of books in which I'm always the narr narrator. Hawthorne is a detective, but what makes these books different is that I, instead of Agatha Christie or Conan Doyle being up on the mountain looking at the view, I have put myself inside the story, trapped inside it, and, and almost a prisoner of Hawthorne, dependent upon his ability to find the killer, because if he doesn't find the killer, I don't have a book. Uh, it changes everything, it changes the perspective, and I think puts a smile on the whole idea of a whodunit. That's the main idea of it, it's fun. And if we talk about Hawthorne, um, in, your, in your own words, for, for people who are coming to the book, I mean, who is this character? Well, Hawthorne has a strong link, as it turns out, with at least one character in Albany. He is a very damaged individual, not an entirely pleasant man. He's a detective who's been thrown out of the force because he pushed a suspect down a flight of stairs, uh, or was accused of that. Uh, and it's something of a mystery. I mean, he's divorced, he has a son, he lives on his own in an empty flat in London. Um, and he's never very nice to me. But at the same time, I'm very aware that something has happened to him in his past, something has happened in his childhood, which has made him the man he is. He is damaged, and I'm trying, as the author of the book, and as his, as his, as it were, his sidekick, to, to try and find out what makes him tick. And what is your, you know, you develop these characters, you must get very close to them. I mean, what is your relationship with Hawthorne as the writer within well, the book? Hawthorne is not very nice to me. I mean, he thinks I'm an idiot, he never tells me anything. <laughs> calls me Tony, which I particularly dislike, uh, and um, he's quite abrasive and rude, and yet at the same time I like him, I admire him, I think he's an extremely clever detective, he does seem to have some kind of moral code, um, a moral compass if you like, um, and, and as the books go on, and particularly I think in this one, where he actually talks about himself for the first time because he is questioned at the Alderney Literary Festival, and I have to say that the people of Alderney all take a real shine to him, even though they completely ignore me. Um, uh, 
I think I think he is a character who is becoming warmer with every book. The more I find out about him, the more I like him. Did you decide to have a um, you know an Alderney Literary Festival because you, you're a writer yourself and, and you like the idea of? No, it was it was always my intention. You know, these books, the Hawthorne novels, are all about writing and about murder. They're about the two things. The first book, the word is murder. I mean, they've got it. It's, I remember sentence is death and a line to kill. In each case, you've got murder as one half of it and literacy and literature as another. And so it was always in my mind that I would write a, about a literary festival. It could have been Hale Wye, it could have been Oxford, it could have been Edinburgh. But then I was invited, as I say, to this rather tiny little festival on this little island, which I loved. And the festival was great, incidentally, and the audiences were terrific when I was there. And I just thought that that was, that was more interesting and more unusual. And, and, you know, people might even not be aware that Alderney does have a very, very good literary festival, largely to do with history rather than to do with fiction. But nonetheless, there it is. And I think that's to be celebrated. And you must have a fa- you must have a fascination and interest. You mentioned Lager Silk before. I mean, in the history of the island. Well, of course, through Foyle's War. I mean, seeing all those um, German fortifications, being aware that this is one of the very few places where a concentration camp was built on British soil. I mean, that's really quite something to think about. To think about what happened in the war and all the mystery that surrounds it. I mean, even now, people are unaware or unsure how many people actually died in these concentration camps. Um, the, the official figure was, I think, like 120 or 130. After the war, that actually went up to about 700. Nowadays, there wasn't a report on it until the 1980s. I mean, you know, the whole business of what happened on Alderney was ignored for something like 30 years, which is sort of incredible yes. in itself. Now there is more interest, and it said there may be thousands of people who died on Alderney during the war. It is, it is. I mean, there are stories and books that have been written about it, but I think in the wider world, it is a story that hasn't yet been fully told. I completely understand. And if we talk about the spirit of the book, I mean, for, to explain the spirit of the book to, to a, a prospective reader, somebody who's read either read your work before or coming to it anew, um, how would you describe it? I would describe it as, I hope, a completely puzzling and beguiling done it <laughs> in an interesting and an extraordinary location with two fun characters um, investigating, uh, or one anyway, Hawthorne, with me tra- trudging a few steps behind him. Um, I hope it is a done it with a smile, and as I say, I hope that the I hope that what it will do for Alderney is attract people to go and visit it. Uh, maybe they'll pop over to you as well. But um, <laughs> yeah. you know, Channel Islands are wonderful places. I used to go to Jersey when I was a boy all the time, and still remember visiting the great hospital that was built there with Eastern European labour and Russian labour, and all the bodies buried in the wall. I was taken there as a child, and that very much fueled my interest in the war, which would eventually lead to Foyle's War. As far as a writer goes, as, as yourself, you're very prolific. I mean, I'm, I'd love to know what your your not your secret, but your, your way of approaching work is. Well, so it's my secret and my way of approaching work are the one and the same thing. I love writing. I'm passionate about it. I'm never happier than when I'm writing. And I do, I write for very, very many hours every single day. Uh, and, um, and that's it, really. There's no, there's no, there's no and to that. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a love. It's just what I was born to do. And so, um, What's the future now then? What, have you got anything else in the cards? What's the future for your characters? Where will they go? Well, next up, uh, the book I'm writing at the moment is the third James Bond novel, which will be out hopefully next year. I need to finish it next month. Uh, I'm a little bit behind, to be honest with you. Um, and um, after that, the next book I think I'm writing is probably the fourth Hawthorne novel, which takes place this time in London. And the next setting is, it's, um, uh, I, I have a sort of a, a half a plot in my head for it. And um, it's, I think it'll be quite an interesting story, quite a fun story again. Then I've got another Alex Ryder book to write. I mean, you know, there's still quite a lot of writing ahead of me before I can get a rest. But when I can get a rest, if I'm in a Guernsey and I'll be there like a shot. <laughs> 
And will you, um, once the book's published, once it's out there and people have read it and, and you know, given it their two cents, will you return to Alderney? In personal, in literature, in writing, I think I probably won't write another book set in Alderney necessarily. Um, but I would love to come back and visit again. Yes, as I said, I was very, very disappointed not to be able to come during COVID. Um, and, you know, I think I wrote an article for The Telegraph where I say that you know, Gannett Rock is somewhere that everybody in the world must see, and I'd love to see that again. Oh, spectacular Gannett Rock. It's yes. unusually it's spectacular. It's really up there with, you know, it's one of the wonders of the world, that's it. Absolutely. All the best, Anthony. It's great, great to meet you. It's lovely talking to you. Many thanks for your interest and for, for enjoying the book. Absolutely. Good luck. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps. And remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email, and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach, and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.